everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today we're going to get very practical into a topic that a lot of us struggle with, how to hear God's voice. Maybe you're in a season of life where you need to make some key decisions or you're really trying to grapple with truth and needing to know which way to go on something, how do we know if we're hearing God's voice and really being led by truth in our daily choices and decisions? I remember watching the classic film, The Hiding Place, and there's a scene where Corey Ten Boom's sister, Betsy, prays a prayer during the concentration camp, and she says, Lord, don't let me hear my own voice and think that it's yours. I can really relate to those words. It's so easy to listen to the voice of my own desires and my own emotions and just assume that they're coming from God. But God's word reminds us, my thoughts are not your thoughts. That's in Isaiah 55, 8. So how exactly do we distinguish God's voice from our own thoughts, from our own emotions and our own desires? There are so many clamorous voices of the culture, other people, and our own ideas and emotions, and it's so easy to fall into the mindset that God's voice is difficult to hear and hard to recognize, or that he really doesn't want to guide us and direct us and speak to us other than in general terms through his word. But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's in John 3, 27. And in the first chapter of James, we are told to ask God when we need specific wisdom for our daily lives. I love the simple clarity of the Phillips translation of this verse. If any of you does not know how to meet any particular problem, he has only to ask God who gives generously to all men without making them feel foolish or guilty, and he may be quite sure that the necessary wisdom will be given him. I love that. That is so encouraging if you're grappling with any key decision and you're thinking, how am I ever really going to know what God wants me to do here? It's so clear in scripture that if we ask really wanting God to guide us, he will give us wisdom. In Proverbs, we are told clearly not to lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge him in all our ways and then expect him to direct our paths. And in the Psalms, he reminds us, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. That's from Psalm 32, 8. All throughout scripture, it is clear that God desires to guide us, to direct our paths, to give us wisdom, and to show us the way we should go. That is an incredible privilege. He doesn't leave us to figure things out for ourselves. He desires to be intimately involved in the details of our daily lives. But are we allowing him to? Are we inviting God to be the ruler of our daily lives and our decisions, or Are we trying to keep him in that position of backseat driver, only asking for his opinion when it's convenient for us or comfortable to do so? To help answer this question, I want to take a closer look at the biblical pattern for hearing God's voice in discerning his specific will for our lives. Let's look at a truly biblical approach to decision making. In Corey Ten Boom's book, Tramp for the Lord, she describes the way that she made decisions about where she should travel and minister. She would place her Bible and her map on the bed and prayerfully ask God to direct her to the part of the world where she was to go next. Sometimes he would direct her to a specific scripture that made her way clear, and other times she would be strongly burdened for a particular country or people group. Now, this may seem like a presumptuous or overly simplistic way to hear from God, but her stories of his clear leading in her life are truly 
remarkable. One time she felt impressed to go to South America. Even though she had no contacts there and didn't speak the language, she and her assistant traveled across the world to get there. When they arrived, they were hungry and exhausted, and there seemed to be really no clear open doors for where they could stay or where they could minister. But God continued to reassure them that they were in the center of his will. And soon, through a set of truly supernatural circumstances, they were led to a group of pastors who were meeting secretly because of persecution. And they were actually praying that Corey Ten Boom would come in person to encourage them. Now, when I read these stories, I often find myself wondering, can every Christian learn to hear God's voice that clearly? Or is it only a privileged few that have a better handle on his guidance than the rest of us? I believe that it is possible for God to personally lead and guide us with as much clarity as he did Corey Ten Boom, but also that his clear leading is conditional upon the state of our souls. Corey Ten Boom and many other heroic Christians like her heard God's voice clearly, not because they were special Christians, but because they were walking in the biblical pattern for being led by his spirit. So let's explore some of those key requirements for hearing God's voice clearly in our daily lives and decisions. The first one is that we need to become dependent on God. Jesus clearly tells us, without me, you can do nothing. That's in John 15, 5. We must abide in him as a branch clings to the vine in order to truly live the fruitful lives that he's called us to. Now, this is the opposite of saying, I'll make my own decisions and then ask God to bless them. There are a lot of Christians who live that way, but God has not called us to lean on our own wisdom or understanding as we navigate life's decisions. We are to be dependent upon him, always having a listening ear and a heart attitude that says, not my will, but yours be done. Even Christ, when he walked this earth, did not make his own decisions. He waited for the Father to speak to him, to lead him, and to guide his every step. Jesus had every reason to trust in his own judgment and reasoning, but he deliberately chose to be dependent on the guidance of his Father. He said in John 5.30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So if we are charging ahead with our own plans and our own agenda without submitting to God and waiting for his guidance, we can't expect to hear his voice or be led by him. James reminds us, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. If you truly desire to hear God's voice and be led by him, take some time to let him show you whether you are really dependent on him. Are you completely submitted to his will or are you pressing your own agenda? Are you abiding in him daily or are you rushing ahead with your own plans? Does your heart really echo the words, not my will, but yours be done? If not, I encourage you to take some time to let God deal with your heart, ask him for the grace to surrender everything to him, to lay your most precious dreams and desires at his feet. Surrendering to him may seem like a restrictive step, but in reality, it is the only path that leads to true life. And when you are surrendered to him, you'll begin to hear his voice and sense his leading in your life like never before. The second key principle for hearing God's voice is to let him shape your desires. 
There is a very popular notion among Christians today that we can look to our own personal desires to determine God's will for our lives. Eric and I once talked with a young man who declared that since it was his greatest desire to be a film producer, he knew that that was what God wanted him to do. Eric asked if he'd ever submitted that desire to God, and the young man gave him a strange look and said, why would I need to do that? It says in the Bible that God gives us the desires of our own hearts, so I already know this desire is from him. Well, Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So at first glance, this verse may seem like a free ticket to do whatever makes you happy or expect God to give you everything that you want. And that's the mentality that this young man had. But let's take a deeper look at what the verse is actually saying. First, God giving us the desires of our hearts requires that we delight in the Lord. And the word delight here means soft and pliable. In order to truly delight in him and receive the desires of our hearts, we must be soft and pliable to his will in his ways. If we cling tightly to our own desires, we aren't truly delighting in him. Secondly, it says that God will give you the desires of your heart. And give in this verse actually means to deliver or to put. In other words, as we delight in him, he puts the right desires in our hearts. That is really exciting. God actually shapes the desires of our hearts to match his desires for our lives. So it's not about God just giving us what we want. It's about the amazing supernatural work of grace that changes our desires to be in line with his. One of the ways that you can tell that God is shaping the desires of your heart is that you begin to desire things that seem strange to the rest of the world. You begin to desire treasures in heaven instead of treasures on earth. Eric and I had this experience when we felt a strong desire to adopt a little unborn baby in need of a family. In this season of our life, we already had two young children and a very full ministry, but for some reason, we felt inexplicably drawn to bringing this little child into our home and our family. We prayed one night, and we both cried out to God for the privilege of raising this child, and then we sort of stopped and looked at each other and said, why are we both praying for something that is only going to make our lives more complicated? And that's when we began to realize that God was shaping the desires of our hearts because it wasn't something that we would have naturally asked for. It was something God burdened us to pursue. And if you look at missionaries throughout the world, you see the same pattern. Look at the historical examples of Gladys Aylward desiring with everything in her that she could go and spend her life for a war-torn, impoverished country, the country of China, because nobody else was willing to go there and preach the gospel. Jim Elliott and his companions They were described as being like little children on Christmas morning in their excitement to reach a group of Indians who were hostile and killed anyone who came in from the outside. And Jackie Pullinger talks about how she couldn't wait to get into the walled city of Hong Kong every single day, which was a filthy crime-ridden place where even law enforcement was reluctant to go. Why did these men and women desire such strange things? It's because they were soft and pliable towards God's will, and they had allowed him to shape the desires of their hearts. If you have personal dreams and desires, I encourage you to start by laying them at Jesus' feet and asking him to shape the longings of your heart. He may choose to grant certain desires that you already have. For instance, the desire to get married and raise a family, but it is crucial that your desires are first completely yielded to him. 
And be cautious about becoming bitter towards God when it seems like maybe he's overlooked your desires, he's bypassed your dreams, he's taking too long to answer your prayers. He will always give you what is very best for you. And often there is a greater work that he wants to do in your heart or life before he grants that specific desire. Sometimes during the single years, there's this overwhelming desire to be married. And sometimes God will delay bringing a husband into a single woman's life until she's become truly satisfied in him. I know that for me, I went through a season where I had to learn how to make Jesus Christ my first love. And I'm so glad I went through that season before Eric came into my life. Otherwise, I would have put a lot of unhealthy expectations on him instead of finding my fulfillment in Christ. If God just always gave us what we wanted, we would be in danger of becoming like the children of Israel who got their request, but they also got leanness of soul. There is a really precious story about Amy Carmichael during her single years. She went to a cave alone one day to pray and to lay her desires before God. She was afraid of being lonely, and she wanted to know if God wanted to give her marriage and family. She left that prayer time feeling strongly that God had called her to a life of singleness, but also with the promise that she would never be lonely. And then fast forward five or ten years into her life, and she was raising hundreds of children and had this enormous family of Christian believers all around her. She was never lonely, but God fulfilled that desire for family in a completely different way than she originally wanted it to be fulfilled. And yet at the end of her life, she looked back and said, I am so glad that I trusted God's plans for my life instead of my own. Submitting your desires to God can be a scary thing, but if you are willing to take that step of obedience, you will experience the well-known principle that expresses God gives his very best to those who leave the choice to him. So if you're wanting to hear God's voice today, I encourage you to get alone with him. Be sure that you truly are soft and pliable, that you're truly delighting in him, and that you're yielded to him. And you can be sure that as you seek that wisdom, he will give it. I hope this episode has been encouraging for you. If you would like to go deeper into how to build a Christ-centered life, how to walk intimately with him and hear his voice, I encourage you to join us May 25th and 26th for our Set Apart Conference. It's going to be taking place in Colorado, or you can stream it anywhere around the world via simulcast. And if you choose to host a simulcast, this is a great way to share the Set Apart message with women in your life, whether you just have a few friends into your living room or you pack an entire church. We are set up to help you spread this message to the women in your church, in your community, and even in your own home. And you can stream the simulcast up to three months after the event takes place. So if this is an area of your life that you'd like to go deeper in, if you want to be encouraged with these truths, if you want to connect with other like-minded women around the world, consider being a part of our conference this year. Go to setapartgirl.com to learn more. And I pray that you have a blessed week.